Hello, and welcome to Edgeguard. My name is Blake, and with me today is Jordan. Hello, Blake. How you doing, man? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, uh, the semester is about to start for me, so kind of busy, but oh, it hasn't started already. No, the University of Chicago is on some barbaric quarter system that makes everything wild and nonsensical. Yeah, it's 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 insane. Speaking of wild and nonsensical, let's talk about video games. (laughs) Are you are you are you saying that this week's game is wild and nonsensical? No, not really. Yeah, I feel like (laughs) it's actually not. It's pretty straightforward, actually. Yeah. As far as games we've played go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which, let's, the game is uh, like Roots in the Soil. It's a, um, honestly, I might not even call it a game. Yeah. I might, I might refer to it more as like an interactive narrative experience or something like that. Interactive movie, if you don't want to like be ramming all sorts of words together. Hey, maybe I do want to be cramming all sorts of words together. Jordan, don't tell me how to live my life. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I think this is definitely the... Of all the games we've played, this one like uh, pushes the limit of what a game is the most. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, so to let people know... Well, I don't know. It is as if you were doing work. But anyway, true, that's beside true. the point. Fair, fair. Um, so this game, basically, uh, it's, a, it's a very short game, and it's, it's got a fixed length, because basically what it's you're you sort of are behind this this character as he's walking down a street he's just sort of like walking through the streets of a an abandoned city mm-hmm. and all you can do the only way you can interact with it is to drag the camera around and the camera has this effect where when you're on when you're looking at the left side of the character's body uh the world is all for lack of a better word, it has a, sort of a po- post-apocalyptic look. It's mm-hmm. brown and washed out, and the buildings are run down, and there are, like, crashed cars on the street. Yeah, it definitely the, seems like there's been some sort of apocalyptic disaster, definitely. Yeah, and and the character has, like, a shotgun on his back, and he's yeah, got yeah. a big beard, and he looks pretty ragged. And then if you pan the camera over so that you're seeing the right side of the character's body, uh, then... Uh, the city is like bright and vibrant and there, there are no other people, but uh, the city is like clearly not apocalyptic and your character is like clean cut and just looks like he's walking down the street. And mm-hmm. basically yep. this character just walks through the city and there's some, uh, some little text snippets that pop up on the bottom of the screen that you kind of read and there's music playing. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. there's like a three minute, thing that happens i don't know i guess we might as well get to what happens right away i mean can you can you really spoil a game that's five minutes long is that even is there does it have to be a a certain length before spoilers are even yeah maybe i mean if you haven't played this game the barrier to entry is absolutely tiny it is free and it will take you three minutes to play that's true so yeah so rather than like a spoiler section like last week we'll just say pause the video play it and come back to us come back (laughs) yeah um but basically, uh, sort of at the end, you see the the second character or the, the the character who's in the sort of apocalypse uh, walk up and plant a tree. And if you pan over to the other side, you see a fully grown tree. So mm-hmm. yep. if you're like me and you'd sort of made the assumption that 
the uh, the man in the apocalypse was the older version of the man in the city, you're wrong because uh, the game, or maybe you're not wrong, but the implication to me was that uh, this tree that was planted here was planted by the man in the apocalypse and the beautiful city is actually post post apocalypse. It's like the city has sort mm-hmm. of regrown. Yeah. I mean that I, th- I think that's a valid interpretation, but definitely mm-hmm. is up for, it is up for interpretation. The game does not really tell you. Um, yeah, that's, and that's I, I have some, I have some reasons why I've, Maybe we can talk about this in, in a little bit, but I had I think you you could be right. That interpretation seems plausible. But yeah, we'll I suppose see. that was that was like my first thought the first time I played it. Uh, but then my my second thought was uh, a little bit different. But what, what was your what was your impression? Well, my first my first through? my first thought was I went for the more obvious one as I assumed that it was uh this was the post apocalyptic was the future. And the other one was the past. Um, mm-hmm. e- even after the tree, I, I interpreted it as like uh, that the the guy was returning to a place from his youth, and he was planting a new tree there, precisely because it was mm. important to him. Um, important to him when he was young, or he remembered oh, it, okay. and it, it, it's like a symbol of uh, the the city of returning to. Um, but that becomes ambiguous, um, and then you see on the. Uh, like on the tree in the past, there's a or in the non-destroyed world, uh, mm. there's like a can hanging on it or something. Yeah, uh, and which that is can, the can is the same can that he puts the. So like I had originally interpreted it that he um, he takes the can from that place and puts a new tree in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could very well just interpret it that that can is left on the tree as like a marker of the guy that planted this tree. Mm-hmm. in the past depending and, on which which one happened before the other yeah and i mean i think actually that maybe the the thing that the game is trying to say is that neither has to be first or last that mm-hmm. they are cyclical perhaps because if you yeah. if you read the text that scrolls that goes along the bottom there's not a lot of it but i actually had to like play the game three times to get all of it because uh, yep. there was kind yep. of the first time where actually, i paid i also played it three I, times Nope, there you go. But the first time I basically only was paying attention to like the visual elements of the game outside of the text. I feel like I had the same problem that I have with like um, foreign language movies, which is that like mm, I get yeah. less invested in either the dialogue or the visual aspect because since you have to read what is being said by characters, you either have to pay less attention to the visuals so that you can read what they're saying yeah. or not read what they're saying so that you can be paying attention to the visuals. It's true. Um, There's like a split attention in that way. Yeah. But, um, I mean, in, in a way in this one, there's like a three way split of attention because, uh, since the guy is constantly walking, like you, uh, you can't pause and look at the post apocalyptic no. and then pause and look at the, the nice city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of, which like, is something I felt the impulse to do many times. <laughs> I, I actually, I literally pressed spacebar. I was like, is, yeah. it, is it, can I pause this? Yeah, I tried spacebar. I tried escape. I tried escape too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, it's kind of nice. Um, the fact that it kind of walks on with you, without you, it like gives the, I don't know, like a feeling of, the game is clearly very interested in like time. And mm-hmm. it, it, I feel like the, the fact that you keep, like the, the games keeps moving without you uh, is kind of like, like it, it 
representation of I mean the, like obviously the way that the time just moves regardless of what one thinks about it mm, absolutely and I, I the, the game is definitely toying with that because I mean it's you're literally like as the player you are between two times and you're just kind of mm-hmm. sort of trying to yeah make with it what you and, will and you can't control anything in each like you can only the only thing you can do is like look at what happens you can't actually uh, do anything Mm-hmm. Which may- maybe is itself a sort of like meditation on memory or something like you can you can remember but it's not as if one can change something that hasn't mm. really happened yeah the game the actually the text does mention memory mm-hmm. did you how how close of a reading did you get on like the actual text that the game is displaying um uh, not that close um i mean i i made sure to have read all of it in the mm-hmm. sense of like all the text passed my eyes at least once. Yeah. Um, some of it was, a. I mean, it didn't, f- honestly, it didn't feel like, maybe this is just kind of like the way I interacted with the game, but it didn't feel like it was of particularly central importance to hmm. playing it for me. Um, See, that's interesting because the first time I didn't think so, but then the subsequent times I was basically only paying attention to the text and trying to, I was actually, I was like trying to write it down, but I couldn't do it fast enough. That's one of the reasons I wanted to pause the most is because, I mean, I mean, when I like read a a book or like listen to a song, uh, most of the time when I'm doing a like really critical reading of like lyrics to a song, I'm not doing it while I'm listening to the song. I'm doing it after the fact I'm going on genius and Mm -hmm. looking at the lyrics and reading them and spending a lot more time. Cause a lot of times in the song, they just kind of like float right by, uh, where it's like going back and reading them. So that was something I was a little bit upset by. Cause I I actually do think that the, the sort of texts, there are some, there are a few different parts that I specifically was like, sort of recontextualized. Well, I, I should I should make it clear what I mean. I'm not I don't think that the text is irrelevant. I just sort of feel like the the way the game works, I wish that um I didn't want the text to be important if that makes sense. Like I, I sort of was more compelled by the uh hmm. the central storytelling mechanic, which is like the camera that moves through two times. Mm, okay. Um, Why do you think that is? Um the, why do you think it is that I found that more like narratively compelling? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for uh, one thing is just that that's co- so that's sort of like the game's thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's absolutely. part of the reason. Um, and then also the the like split attention is a little frustrating. And then mm-hmm. um, uh, also just the. Uh, the I mean, I, I don't want to be too critical, but I, I felt like some of the uh, the the like poetic language felt a little like forced, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like when he's talking about memory as like roots inside me or something like that, um, it mm-hmm. felt a little a little forced. Uh, didn't quite ha- like click for me as well. I think as the uh, as the Hmm. the central thing interesting yeah i think i kind of agree with you there were like a few little passages like there's one about uh, i said something like a sailor on a sea of steel or something that i'm just kind Mm -hmm. of like what (laughs) a little bit flowery and then there's also Mm -hmm, something about mm -hmm. like 
memories like sand in your bitter sand to swallow i ended Mm -hmm. up like writing some quotes just so i could remember but there are a few yeah i mean i like so the first thing that it starts out with the very first word you see is inertia and then it defines Mm it as uh you know things tending to stay in motion or stay at rest and then it mentions what to say a force that upsets the calm and i i don't know i think a lot of the text you can I was basically trying to interpret it from either side, either like basically either chronology that I think is possible, which is that like a, that the city that is not destroyed is the, uh, happens chronologically first. And then the destroyed city is second or the other chronology, which is that the destroyed city is first chronologically. And Mm -hmm. then the beautiful city is second. And I actually think that that's one of the reasons why I kind of, felt that the game was like trying to imply that maybe it was cyclical and that neither was first, uh, was because you can interpret almost all of the text is applicable in both directions. Um, hmm. I guess the, the thing, Hmm. I'm not sure how to go about talking about this. It's a little hard without having the text in front of me because yeah. I can't like cite it, but I tried to like type <laughs> along with it or to like <laughs> put it down on my phone or write it, but it was just, it goes by too quickly. Um, yeah. Which I mean, I mean, I, that the fact that the text goes by too quickly, um, both is a little frustrating as part of the reason that I, um, kind of was disinclined to, uh, take the text too seriously but also um maybe that's kind of the point it's that if if the game is partially about like the inexorability of of uh like Mm. moving through time then like one is supposed to feel a little bit like the the words are escaping you that they're kind of like running through your fingers like sand Uh, oh there you go (laughs) um, um there is one passage that I made sure to write down all the way. Oh yeah. Uh, which which is like that? one of the last things it says held up by a story that has deep roots in me. That's roots born by the courage of a single person, sons like me of my father, which to me felt like them implying that the younger character in the time where the city is intact is the son of the character who planted the tree in the apocalypse and that Uh, his, he sort of has this hopeful thing in him and this like will to do good because his father, despite being in a post apocalypse that must've been violent because he had a shotgun on his back. It's true. uh, Casual shotgun. He was, did something. He is like, had put forth this effort to bring life back into this world by planting this tree. Uh, So that was sort of my, interpretation Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean so i i don't think that the game gives any hard and fast reasons to think that you like hard and fast reasons to know which one is after which other one but i think Mm -hmm. that the the interpretation that the uh fixed city is the future is a much more interesting one and a much more like uh um just a much more interesting take in the post-apocalyptic genre because like Mm post-apocalypses are always so like fascinated with like the spectacle of like destroyed cities like mm-hmm. ruins of the past which is the present for the viewer um mm-hmm. and then you don't often see ones that like compare the future to a apocalyptic present um, yeah 
and often I feel like apocalyptic uh, stories don't really have an end game other than like everyone dies because it's the apocalypse. <laughs> it's like yeah. we are the survivors. There is no or future. Like, yeah, yeah, or it's like we are the survivors, and I guess we've survived and will kind of continue to survive. So I, I definitely thought it was interesting to me when it was like, oh, I think that this game is trying to say that the world was destroyed, but it was rebuilt again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think one, so one reason to support that interpretation is the decision to have the apocalypse be on the left and the uh, fixed city be on the right, because uh, I, I'm i not sure if you thought about that, but like, uh, you know, all the the game was released, I think, like in the U.S. Right? Like, uh, I think it's a American game, or at least no, like it's all not. the Italian. It's not. Oh, it's mm-hmm. Italian. Okay, well, it's Italian crazy. also reads left to right, so mm-hmm. the point still stands. Sure. Uh, so, like, um, the creators, you know, read left to right. Uh, the text reads left to right. So one would think that you know, oh, time I, moving left to right. I had not uh, considered that, but I th- that seems. Uh, very plausible to me yeah because i mean someone had to decide like uh, which side should be Mm -hmm. future and which side should be past yeah so i kind of have a a broad question for you which is uh do you think the overall like sort of i guess i don't really want to say message but the does do you think that this game espouses like a hopeful message or maybe something a little bit more sinister um i think that it's primarily uh going for like a hopeful tone um i mean even even if you think that the the apocalypse is the future it still is ending with a like scene of restoration in the sense Mm -hmm. that like a tree is being replanted um And then, obviously, it is a hopeful note if the future is better than the past. Yeah, uh, so. and th- I, I think that as well, that it's sort of a hopeful message. I think that sort of passage that I read about the roots born by the courage of a single person, uh, as flowery as that langu- language <laughs> may be, I think it's it's like fundamentally hopeful about like yes. someone had the courage to try and make the world better whether it was the apocalypse or not the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Um, Though if the uh, sort of idea that it's cyclical and neither character is uh, before the other, it's just a cycle that keeps going. It's a little bit more dark, but I think think that's that's, the case. That's true. Um, Yeah. Cause I mean, it's a little hard to think that like, I mean, usually apocalyptic narratives sort of like, they're very non-cyclical. It's like things were going and then there's a, like a, a huge break from the normal order of things like apoc like before and after. I feel like in a lot of apocalypse, there's always like scenes with like in the time before it's just, they just call it yes. like before it's like, uh-huh. it, it separates everything into just like before and after. Um, uh, so that, that would be a, a very radical break from the apocalyptic genre. If they were implying mm-hmm. that like, uh, <laughs> This is a world where every so often there's an apocalypse and it, it and then they fix things and but they always recover. But then there's always another apocalypse. <laughs> that that would be a um, bummer. Um, it would be a major bummer. <laughs> okay, so my my next question for you is, uh, do you think that this the ideas 
of this game and the themes of it are best served as a game, as an interactive thing. Mm -hmm. Because my first time... Yeah, like a short animated movie or something. Because my first time through, the interaction is so light. Like, just literally you're rotating the camera and sort of, like, seeing these two different worlds. But, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, the two worlds, they're not incredibly different other than, like, one is destroyed and the other is not. And you kind of get the point really quickly. Or not the point, but you sort of get the, the gimmick of, like, the camera moving around. So I'm curious if you feel like being interactive being a quote-unquote game is the best format for this piece of art um i will say yeah so i had thought about that and i will say yes but the game really could have i would i would like to see a greater use of this storytelling mechanic and what i mean by that is like um, there are a couple moments where there's kind of like a little bit of a micro story that one can see by comparing uh, like the left and right worlds. I mean, not like a real story story, but like, for example, the mm-hmm. collapsed train. Uh, you can see, mm-hmm. depending on which way you interpret it, this is either a train that you can see the functioning version and then it later breaks, or you can see a broken train that is later repaired. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's those sort of like moments of comparison I feel like uh, you could do some interesting things with, uh, but the I don't think that the game does a ton of that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would like to see more moments where uh, one is walking down something and there is something there is something to see in the uh, two different versions rather mm-hmm. than just um, uh, one being yellow and one being pink. Yeah. Okay. That's that's largely how I felt. And I, I don't know. I, I, I do think this is a like a really cool game and it's cool that it exists as a game, but I couldn't help but feel that this game... I mean, it could be a, a, a short film where you're, mm-hmm. you know, having the same shots of this character, but then cutting between, like, the beautiful, intact world and then the, mm-hmm. like, grimy, destroyed world. <laughs> or, and it would be almost <laughs> equally as affecting. It's true. Uh, I, I think that, um, that more could have been done to, like, justify the inter- interactive uh, mechanic. Uh, in, a, an interesting middle ground would be, like, the... Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but the most recent major laser video. <laughs> which is, oh no! <laughs> it's a music video um, where you uh, you can click the video to go like toggle between a um, dream and a reality, mm. and they're like totally parallel. Where it's like uh, this kid's real life is like kind of shitty, and it shows him eating breakfast with his. Uh, with I assume like his sister, and then she flips him off. Uh, version ver- whereas uh, if you click to the dream version, he's in like a much nicer house, and he's eating breakfast with like some super hot girl who blows him a kiss. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange, uh, yeah, it's a weird little um, little uh, video that does something <laughs> vaguely similar. Uh, I, yeah. I, I I gotta say uh, that comparison. Uh, not my idea. I was uh, reading a review of like Roots in the Soil on Rock, Paper, Shotgun, and mm. that observation was made by commenter Rupert. So uh, all credit, wherever you are, Rupert. Shouts out to Rupert. Shouts, shouts out to Rupert. Nice, nice Jordan observation. Hack. I thought more of you. <laughs> well, you, at least, at least, <laughs> at, <laughs> no, at least I called it out. <laughs> I don't plagiarize Rupert. Yeah. I don't do it. 
Yeah, but I don't want to like sort of talk down this game too much. I really like this game. I think I it's a, too. a really pretty game, I and yeah. I enjoyed the themes of it. I thought it was cool. I just couldn't help but feel like it didn't necessarily have to be interactive, which no. kind of bummed me out because I I feel like part of what we like to do here is like shed light on the different kinds of things that can be interactive and why interaction makes them better. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I guess maybe the thing that makes it worth it is just that it's a it's a really cool gimmick and it's a short enough experience that yeah. it's okay that it's a gimmick because mm-hmm. most people are going to play it one time, not three times like you and I. And so uh-huh. getting to experience that all, you know, for three minutes or five minutes or however long mm-hmm. it takes, not very long, is uh, yeah. enough to justify itself. Yeah, and I mean, this is, like, very uh, intentionally a compact experience. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. supposed to be a short. Um, and I think that... And it was designed for a jam, right? A game jam? Yeah, yeah. It was a, like, post-apocalyptic game themed jam. Yeah. game jam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if the creators intend to do more with this. But if they mm. were, um, I think that uh, there are already some kind of blueprints for what that might look like in actually some other recent games. I'm not sure if you thought Hmm. about this, but the one that I know you've played is Titanfall two. Oh yes. The level where you can click between, well, two worlds, the two timelines. Is this a, is a spoiler for that game? This is a spoiler. Actually, one of our good friends is playing through Titanfall two right now. Hopefully he finishes it by the time this episode airs. Oh God, hopefully it does. Uh, But yeah, that, that mission uh, is, uh, yeah. And absolutely. I hadn't, I hadn't quite, I hadn't, I didn't put those two together, but that mission is very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I love that mission. I think it might be the best one in that whole, the whole single player campaign. If, if not the best, it's, it's up there. Yeah, definitely. So for um, people that don't know, uh, you should describe what the mission is. So basically you are investigating this like kind of destroyed base where some sort of, I forget what exactly it's explained narratively, but some sort of like mm. huge energy explosion has happened. and has like destabilized time in this area. And you, you get this little object that you lets you, uh, um, you can, whenever you use it, uh, you go back in time. Um, and, but it's in two, uh, different timelines that are each moving on their own. So you like go between mm. two timelines and you can see how time has passed in these worlds. But uh, while you are, like, the how it really works mechanically is while you're fighting enemies in one timeline, you can, like, zip out of that timeline to another one. And the other enemies in timeline two will have been going about their whatever uh, mm-hmm. during the time that you're in the other one. Yeah, so to sort of clarify in case that wasn't totally clear, <laughs> basically the two timelines are running. I don't know. Maybe people will get it from there. But I feel like it's complex enough. Yeah, so it, there, it's the two timelines are running in absolute parallel yes and you are just jumping between them so basically what will happen is i think in like the older timeline where the facility is still intact there's like soldiers coming in to Mm -hmm. try and kill you uh and then so you'll be like shooting at them and then they surround you so you switch the other timeline and you're just in an empty room the same room you're in in the other timeline but there's no one here you run around behind them and when you flash back in those soldiers have run up to where you were and are like trying to find you and then you're like hey what's up i'm over here yeah 
and then you kill him. Yes, uh, and, and then sometimes it, is it gets incredibly satisfying. And yeah, cool. it's a really really fun <laughs> level, and there's there's uh, they really like uh, develop uh, it out and sort of like explore how you can create different challenges with that. Sometimes you might need to like zip back into the other world, and it's not an empty room. There's like those big dog enemies, oh, uh, yeah. and then you have to like uh, kind of juggle enemies in two different worlds at the same time. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Or uh, there's also some platforming challenges in there yes. as well. Yeah, like there's the the scene that I've seen a million videos of where you have to like slide on. There's like this hallway you have to get across where like there's a wall on the left in timeline one and a wall on the right in timeline two. So you have to like skate on the left, switch timelines, skate on the right, switch left. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like changing timelines mid jump yeah. because you you have to jump off one thing in timeline one, but the thing you're jumping to isn't there. So you switch to timeline two as you're flying through that. It's it's so cool. Even yeah. if you don't want to like play Titanfall two, you should look up a video of it. I forget what the the name of the mission is, but if you mm-hmm. uh, if you sort of Google Titanfall two time switch or something mm-hmm. i'm sure you'll find it uh yeah. but it's it's incredibly cool but yeah mm-hmm. i hadn't considered that this game like is kind of similar to that except for uh you know just a lot more compact and obviously it's not about like combat or uh, mm-hmm. or yeah um, platforming it's just sort of about narrative but one could imagine like a a narrative or if one wanted to get a little more interactive maybe like a narrative puzzler um that uses something that's like halfway between roots in the soil and Titanfall two, where like, uh, um, then, then it might be more like a game like Tacoma where like, uh, you don't know how to get through this door, but by like comparing the past to the present, you can figure out what the passcode or something is to get yeah, to, into and, a new area. Yeah. And I actually kind of considered like what this game would be like if it was like that, like if it was basically, uh, instead of your character just like walking down this street, you are in control of it because then they could kind of like lay out these scenes where you're in the same place and you can like sort of look between the two timelines and see like you could you could kind of get those sort of micro environmental storytelling things that a game like Gone Home or yeah. uh, yep. Tacoma does where the people that have been there are no longer there. But in one timeline, they could be there or you could see how they're acting in one in like the apocalyptic scenario versus the non-apocalyptic mm-hmm. it's kind of maybe an interesting extension of this idea yeah i you might not uh think it but i i do like uh gone home does actually seem like a, another kind of like interesting uh, parallel just i i mean there's in narrative in games there's just a lot of games where it's like your avatar shows up at an, a place where something has happened and everyone's mm-hmm. gone uh, which, I mean, lends itself very well to the post-apocalyptic genre. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of the, one of the reasons why that is is maybe I'm all the way back in like our first regular episode when we talked about the team room. We talked about like uh, how games never really acknowledge that like when you look at things, it's like yeah, that's can be true. it would be weird in real life. Because, I mean, in Gone Home, if, like, the family was home, you wouldn't be, like, just wandering around their house looking at all their shit. You'd just That's be, like, true. talking to your family. Especially since, yeah, your character is supposed to be the the oldest daughter returned. Like, can you imagine? She walks uh-huh. in, she's like, oh, what's this? What's this? What's, I don't know who I am. Like, Yeah. I mean, she never lived in that house. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, but anyway, I think, yeah, it's kind of an interesting way mm-hmm. to present worlds in a way for a player to interact with them and... uh 
gain the story and mm-hmm. on their own terms which honestly like you sort of mentioned this game seems to be thematically talking about this sort of inexorable march of time so that's uh potentially uh kind of throwing the theme one of the major themes out the window uh uh, by yeah. like making it like oh explore at your own pace but it's just yeah, a, you true. know a cool sort of other idea Although, for maybe like game. interestingly um like in Timefall 2 it's not really like explore at your own pace because like both of those timelines are moving um, yeah that's true you can't I although mean, there are certain rooms where there are no enemies so it doesn't matter that's true it doesn't matter that they're you know not moving yeah but for the combat encounters i definitely so uh, like you, you maybe could have a way where like I don't, I don't know I'm not sure what this would look like but maybe there is a way to make it so that uh, the like each timeline is moving at its own pace and it matters that it's moving at its own pace and it could still be like a narrative exploration game I don't know that might be tricky yeah. to pull off yeah. um, one, one thing that I just I was just going through my notes I just remembered that I wanted to address uh Although it's supposed to be a, the game is supposed to be about like a, a comparison of like a disaster time to a like more uh, like harmonious time, I noticed mm-hmm. that you n- you never see uh, like people or even like very many signs of people in yeah. the the like I don't know har- fixed time the non yeah the non apocalyptic time. I noticed I mean, the same thing. Yeah. I mean the only the only real sign you see cars that are parked and the train and is the train like you see moves. it moving. Yeah. So you assume people are on it. But I thought the same thing that like maybe the world is fixed but it's still like there's not that many people because everyone died or something. Oh, it's still like low population. Yeah. yeah uh, and I thought maybe that that w- had something to do with the the contribution of why the the sort of younger character that's in the non-apocalyptic timeline uh is still having these thoughts about the roots being placed in them is like yeah the city is beautiful again but like we really haven't rebuilt the world yet because there's people are still there aren't that many of us anymore yeah i mean society is still being rebuilt it's that that could i mean that explanation makes sense to me but i mean another one it could also just be that like uh it's a uh, game jam game and it's hard to render humans yeah. or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's a lot of <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot of time to put into like having other people that are animated and stuff. Yeah, moving ones. Mm. I mean, I mean that would really like give the it would really put in stark contrast if like there were just simply more moving things in mm. the fixed world versus the the other world like. Yeah. I, one of the biggest contrasts for me was the train moving. Like that uh-huh. just like catches your eye in a way yeah. that really throws into stark relief the differences of these two worlds. And I mm. liked that contrast. I thought it was uh, it was effective. And I think um, um, m- more of that would really. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's hard to like, do. Like that's not a criticism. That's just an observation. Yeah, um, like birds or butterflies or something mm, like yeah. sort of flitting around to give you the idea that like oh, one of these worlds has life while the other one has death. <laughs> um, one world is stasis i mean yeah even just little things like uh if a car drove by or if a uh you see a person closing a window or something like mm-hmm. that would just um uh it would also be really effective because since you're like the mechanic of the game is you're kind of like moving the camera back and forth 
mm-hmm. movement really catches your eye even more. I, I feel like mm. since you're kind of like browsing in a way. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, one one more thing I want to talk about is the music because that was yeah my favorite part. I thought the music was really cool. I thought that was and, clever. And we didn't uh, we didn't mention that like uh, the music is sort of like clean and pretty sounding in the uh, repaired world, and then in the apocalyptic side, as mm-hmm. like as you move the camera, it like fades into this yeah. like distorted grungy sounding. I couldn't quite tell if they if it was like a whole separate track or if they just took the original track and just like distorted the Uh whole thing. Well, I think it is supposed to be, I mean, I feel like it's supposed to be doing the sonic equivalent of what the camera's doing. Like you are, Mm -hmm. you're hearing two parallel soundtracks that sound like almost the same, but not quite. I don't know if they were literally the same track, but yeah, I think, I think they were, but I think one of the things I found the coolest is so there's a way, like, I'm not sure if it's clear, but since you can move the camera 360 degrees, you can have it like sitting in the middle and kind of be seeing half, half of both timelines. And if you have it like that, the music is like, it, it fades in. Uh, so you're kind of hearing half of the clean version and half of the distorted post-apocalyptic version of the music at the same time. This is kind of a cool little detail. Huh. Yeah. Um, but the music was done by here. Let me, I, I had to make sure I could find it. It's done by um, Emilio Pozzolini. He did the music and sound design, uh, which huh. we actually we haven't mentioned the dev. So while I'm, while I'm at it, uh, oh, yeah. it's made by... Uh, mostly a two-person team, and then uh, Emilio Pozzolini did the music and sound design. Um, but it's by the Space Backyard, which is the Alessandro Archidiaco. I'm gonna botch these uh, Italian names, so I'm just gonna say Alessandro something with an A and Simone <laughs> something with a T, <laughs> because I I don't want to embarrass myself too much. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, cool game cool game yeah i i definitely thought it was uh something worth checking out um uh i the the more i think about it this um just like as a a final thought i'm not sure if you have anything else but the Mm -mm. like this like parallel timelines thing Mm -hmm. like there are a lot of games that have done something similar Mm-hmm. Or, or even this. Dishonored 2 is the other one that uh, I, yeah. I know you haven't played that one, but that's the one I'm thinking of right now, which is like almost the exact same as the uh, Titanfall yeah, it has that, 2 mechanic. That, like except, looking glass. Yep. You can like yeah. two parallel timelines that are each moving, like they're each are happening live. Like it's not like you pause one when you switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But since it's kind of a stealth game, you, you use it to sneak past people you wouldn't normally be able to sneak past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's another really that might. I think I can confidently say that was my favorite level in Di- Dishonored Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was really cool. Yeah, I've I've seen video of it just because I knew I wasn't going to play Dishonored Two, and there was a lot <laughs> of buzz around that. And actually, like one of the games in my capstone class because that game came out while I was in my senior year of college. Um, my someone in my capstone class like had almost that exact mechanic in their game. Uh, in that like you have a like uh mirror basically that you hold it up to your face and you see a different timeline through it in like very same way that you do it mm-hmm. in uh dishonored so i was uh, i was aware of that but um but anyway i think we should uh we should talk about our game for next week since i think we're we've wrapped up like roots in the soil yeah what's that um, game jordan so doing? Th- it's a game called window frame 
um, which is a, a kind of like a puzzler that uh, you uh, use the reframing of the um, like little window in which the game appears, like the game itself appears. Uh, you resize that in order to solve puzzles. Um, and you yeah. know, I made the mistake of not writing down the developer. Uh, it is Daniel Linson. Uh, okay. It's available on Itch.io. Cool. Name your own price. There you go. So go pay what you want. PC only, of course. Uh, like most of the games that we play. Um, it's true. Anyway. <laughs> With that, make sure you play Window Frame. Follow mm-hmm. us on Twitter, and uh, we will talk to you all again very soon. Yeah, have a good week.